Welcome to episode 12 of Into the Van, and I'm so fucking happy to have this episode airing. Um, I hope you've been enjoying these conversations. What I've been wanting to do is I'm a huge fan of podcasts like Walking the Floor with Chris Shiflett, uh, The Working Songwriter with Joe Pug, and I love these conversations with musicians that, you know, just like free form, they're not really like scheduled or they don't have a ton of questions prepped in. It's not you know, so much as an interview as a conversation. I love those type of things. And what I wanted to do was bring those artists that may not necessarily be at the level yet of those huge podcasts. And if I'm lucky enough to get to sit down with these artists and chat to them, then for me, that's fucking phenomenal. And, you know, I've had the plot hounds on, Sean James, Drew Dixon, Amelia Quinn, and I couldn't be, like, happier with how many phenomenal artists I've gone. And, you know, I've not stopped there. I'm getting management and promoters. And I want to try and cover everything as much as possible, especially in, like, the country scene. And today's guest is, you know, at the top of my list of someone I've wanted to speak to because I'm a huge fucking fan. And it's Charles Wesley Godwin. Last year, while I was on tour around Europe, he released the the Seneca album. I don't know if he released it that month, but I remember I read an article about him releasing this album. I was like, fuck it, I'll check it out. And I did not stop listening to Seneca for that entire tour. Then whenever I think of that album, I think of how well the fucking songs are written, how incredible an album it is put together. And it just reminds me of driving around Europe, doing my own thing. So the memories of it are just, you know, insane. And I'm so happy I got to sit down with Charles. And he managed to, like, slot me in at five in the morning his time because obviously we're doing these through Zoom, so the time difference. So he was gracious enough and kind enough to, uh, you know, wake up early before his kid, like, woke up as well. So I'm so fucking grateful that he managed to find the time to uh, sit down with me and talk. But this is a brilliant podcast. If you've not listened to Charles before, go listen to his Seneca album, it's truly, it's my, one of my favourite country albums, it's probably my favourite album of 2019, and I've spun it a ton, and I'm just a huge fan of the guy, so to get to sit down and talk to him was, you know, definitely a bucket list for the podcast. This episode is brought to you, of course, by The Next Life, the album is out now, you can buy it on Bandcamp, you can stream it on Spotify, wherever you want, I'm going to drop a track in now. Cemetery, when my dead's are paid. 
I don't know how long I'm gonna keep dropping these tracks in for guys. I don't want you to get sick of it I don't want you to get bored, but you know, this is something that I, I'm so proud that I've managed to make and it's out there now and it's been well received So I just want to share it with as many people as I can So, you know, if you dig it go listen to it If you don't you can skip ahead to this fabulous podcast with Charles Wesley God we can go into so much including touring internationally had like a huge Scandinavian tour at the end of 2019 being a father during lockdown and i think one of the things we touched on early on is how the silver line into this for musicians is we would be away so much more than we are now so it's truly we're getting to cherish the time we have because we know we wouldn't have it otherwise i think that's a rare thing to actually have you know you'll be tripping over each other and you may be getting sick of it but you know when you go on tour for months at a time you know, it really brings home how valuable the seconds and minutes you have with your loved ones are. So we go into that, we go into, you know, fishing and hunting and, you know, I'm a huge, you know, fan of Charles. So we go into songwriting, we go into his influences. I'm so happy that we go into a possible UK tour, you know, listen to the full podcast and find out. But without further ado, this is episode 12 of Into the Van with Mike West and Charles Wesley Godwin. Welcome to Into the Van with me, Mike West. So, you know, again, thank you so much for doing this for us. So with everything that's been going on in terms of the pandemic and things, it's kind of like everyone's taken a forced break. Obviously, you've just had a kid. So I, I assume this has probably come at like the best time really like yeah. personally have you just been yeah. like enjoying the time it's been great yeah um as far as getting to spend time with family i it, that side of things it's, it's been really really great it's kind of been a uh, it's been like a blessing he's he's going on eight months old now so yeah these these early formative months i've gotten to spend some so much of this time at home and he's uh pretty attached to me which is cool <laughs> i don't know if it would have been like that otherwise mm. Yeah. But, Did you have like um, a lot of dates booked in that you've had like have had to have been canceled and postponed? So would you have been away for this time? Yeah, there's been a lot of dates canceled, and we're to the point now where there's there would have been time, there would have been things that, um, I think uh, April, May, and June were all pretty well filled and planned for at the time that things broke out in March. Mm. And then uh, there were some things that were, you know, set for later in the year, but we're to the point now where, I mean, it should, things never even got booked because because of this, but yeah, it's been a lot of work, um, but it's not like I wasn't going to go, go full fledged. Like even had I been working, there's going to be an effort to find a good balance. Yeah. But um no, it definitely wouldn't have been time like this, though. Yeah. This consistent. I think I, w- I was working in the first three months that he was alive, and I was gone for seven weeks of that. Mm. I believe. 
Yeah, but that's I think this is obviously it's a terrible situation across everyone, but it has kind of allowed people like musicians and things who are away for such a time to kind of take a forced break and reassess. And I know a lot of people have just been enjoying the family time. And I think that's if there's a silver line into all this, I think that's probably it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you'll see a, a different mindset out of a lot of folks, not even just in, in like the performing world. But I think you'll see a different approach and perspective from a lot of folks on the other side of this. I, I wouldn't be surprised if um, if there's a large segment of society that kind of has a re restructure of priorities in their mind mm. coming out on the other end of this, where you, you might, especially like in the, in the U.S., people work is like people don't take time off. Mm. You know, a lot. Of People just go and go and go and they look up and they're in their fifties and sixties and then they, they start taking a breath. Mm. You know, you see a lot of that. And I think maybe on the other end of this, uh, you might see some folks slow it down a little bit and um, kind of have family, family and time with family. Mm. And number one on that list. I, that wouldn't surprise me hopefully i think like i've been reading a lot of them there's like a book called utopia for realists by a guy called rucker bregman and it's kind of advocating for universal basic income but it talks about like how in different um european countries the working week is 10 till 4 monday to thursday and they have like a longer weekend and things like that and it's achievable in a society and i'm hoping that again it is everyone kind of like with this step back can look and reassess what's truly important and we have the resources for certain things so why can't we then twist it to fit a more like happy healthier balance yeah that's uh that's definitely a conversation that needs to be had and i think uh everybody that that on the other side of this when they're when they're uh, deciding who they want to represent Mm. you know themselves and their community and their governments they need to think about you know are, do we are we really happy with the way that our money is allocated and mm. how it's been been spending been uh, how it's been spent all these years because you look at when when something like this how just all of a sudden trillions of dollars are available for yep. for certain um corporations and and uh businesses but then it's not for others yeah um you should you know there's so many small businesses that aren't going to make it through this um but yeah there i think there yeah i don't know the exact numbers but i think there are trillions of dollars divvied out and that's a lot of responsibility to those who are deciding who gets that Mm, yeah um yeah, you know, Mike, I, I don't know, but um, it really does matter who, who you send, to, you know, as far as the U.S. goes, who we send to Washington to mm. represent, because it, it, those are, uh, that's a very big responsibility, and I don't know that it's being handled the best. Mm. Currently. Oh, yeah, I, I completely agree. I was told. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, I can't, give me a time, uh, and I was born in 1992, Yeah, I, I can't really ever tell you a time where everybody has felt like their money has been mm. wisely but um in a total sense of the word like so yeah i think uh 
there's a lot of things that need to be to be thought about um, by the public and, mm. and by folks in our communities and on the other end of this. Yeah, I think it's the same here with Britain as well. Over the end, obviously, like with Brexit and everything that's happened since 2016, there was always in the headlines this um, mocked idea of a magic money tree. That um, the prime minister kept floating about like how they couldn't afford to do X or do Y because there isn't this magic money tree they can shake and everything will come out. But then they somehow found money recently to paint the prime minister's plane, which costs like ninety thousand pound. And then they're reinforcing or reinvesting in Trident, which is the nuclear program. And that's like $2 trillion, $2 trillion pounds. And all this money is then coming through to like bail out the banks. And then you can see that the arts like sector has just been funded during the pandemic for 1.5 billion pounds. So it's clearly that all these resources have just been kind of sat on, but no one's willing to acknowledge what they could do with this and like actually help society with like you know homelessness or obviously we have free healthcare so there's other things that can be invested into and I, i'm really hoping that this is a, a step back so we can look at it but the like i have an issue i don't know if you feel the same way with over and yours but there's this entrenchment of career politicians that i think mm. is like the biggest issue because a lot of people will want to maintain a status quo because it keeps them in a job that our taxes pay for yeah yeah, I, you know, you, you see a lot of career politicians over here in the U.S. and you just, you wonder sometimes you see so much money going um, outside of the border, mm. you know, going to all these things that, that folks within the country really have, have uh, it has no effect on them. Mm. It, it's almost like a it's almost like a, a worldwide political board game almost yeah. that is, it, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't affect the actual working people on the ground. And you wonder why sometimes that the, the attention and the, yeah, the attention doesn't go to, to problems that you see inside the communities mm -hmm. that, that you see on the streets, like you're talking about, homeless and, and things like that infrastructure um yeah you wonder sometimes how do we have all this money to get to uh to be you know paint, painting planes or starting <laughs> wars mm. and i you know i understand that that there has to be lines drawn to keep people safe in certain instances but i think sometimes that excuse is used for 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 certain situations that, that maybe we, you know, we shouldn't be getting into. Mm. And with obviously you released Seneca last year and the opening track of that windmill, was that kind of, cause you talk about like the dilapidation of towns and the struggles of working class in that song. Has that been something that's been like prescient and like at the forefront of your mind for a while? Yeah. Uh, growing up here in West Virginia, you just, you know, like it, told you I was born in 1992. So basically my whole life has been um, existing in a, I guess you'd say a downturn of mm. what once was in certain communities around West Virginia. And there's a whole, there's a whole backstory to that, or there's a bunch of good and there's a bunch of bad. It's not like it was utopia, um, but there definitely was a more, uh, 
more thriving. There are a lot more thriving towns than mm. there are now. You just, you, you kind of drive through a bunch of, um, depressed areas. If, if you picture, uh, a real bustling, like robust town and you, you just imagine it in a world 50 years later with one fourth of the population and the, um, I guess you'd say the, the average income of the town in terms of, of spending power, you know, being cut in half, then you, you're, you're kind of looking at a lot of West Virginia towns. Mm. And that's, I guess the best way I can describe it, you know, just off the top of my head. And it's a, it's a unique thing to, to, it, it's a unique place. There, there's very few places in America like that where, mm-hmm. where you see that. And, um, you know, I don't know how many places in the world are like that, but it's, it's very unique. Mm. But yeah, windmills just talking about, um, you know, something that, that would happen pretty often in the last 30 years. If there was a, an American, um, craft business, something, something that has main, that is, that involves manufacturing, you, you, you know, in the last, uh, yeah, 30 or so years, you see a lot of that going away. Mm. So that's yeah. kind of what, what what that song touches on and when things like that would happen if uh, then people just got to adapt and adjust and they do whatever they can to to make a living which a lot of times would mean instead of having a a single professional job to pay the bills like a career Mm. job it just turns into um maybe half a dozen different odd jobs to make Mm. ends so that's kind of what what that song was yeah talking about there yeah it's weird because like i'm i'm from like i was born in 1990 so i think like i'm only a couple of years older than you but i know from like the small towns that i've grown up in it's the exact same thing where it's you remember as a kid the whole like town sense of being busy and even if you weren't fully aware of the problems and every shop seemed to be open every shop was like thriving it was always busy and it's all like as we've grown up, it's each one's like closed down slowly and slowly. And I kind of get why the older generation are more like conservative or at least more like um, insular in their thinking because they've not only seen it happen, but they've obviously been the ones affected by it. While we've mm-hmm. been kids at that time, they're the ones who then lost income and businesses and had to adapt in such a way that you can kind of not agree with the policies or their kind of mindset for thinking so insularly, but you understand why they're coming from that perspective. Yeah. Well, they can be, I mean, somebody can have, uh, you know, everybody's got views all across the board, but if, if, you know, in a certain segment of the uh, political spectrum or especially economically, somebody might be dead on that you mm. don't agree with them. And, with other aspects but i think yeah on the other end of this like you might see um folks more focused on things being made locally mm. and wanting be willing to pay a few dollars more or you know a few pounds more for something that they know was made within their community or mm. within their region and you see a value to that when when uh, everything comes to a stop you have a, a worldwide crisis like this mm. and and things aren't on the shelves and you're, you're you're dependent upon places that are across the world you do see where 
um, yeah, there, there is a little bit of wisdom. And if, if things were to be made still like in, you know, locally and mm. regionally. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like, um, I've been over the course of this lockdown, we've got a back garden that's been an absolute shit heap for about two years. <laughs> it's, it's been my uh, goal for over the last few months. I said I'd get it ready by my girlfriend's birthday, which I'm nearly there. And um, it was trying to like, you know, source timber and like other things like soil, cement and get all this through. And you look at the big chains that you trusted for years, like B&Q or wherever that had online stores and all of them were closed. All mm-hmm. of them were out of stock. And it was, you know, a quick Google search to local things. And I found everything relatively either the same price slightly cheaper and a delivery fee on top of it that was like reasonable and it's definitely inspired me to like do more of a google search and more of a you know look around my actual local place it was even we went for a walk one night and i walked past a timber yard i didn't know was there i was like oh shit and then i ordered from there for the last like three times and it's really nice to like kind of build those relationships with local people and it's, you know, when I've been working away, it's been something a bit more rewarding because you know that it's all not only by your own hand, but it's also local. And I don't want to sound like a hipster when it comes to that stuff, but it is, you know, no, a rewarding thing. Mm. Yeah, your, your money's staying in the community. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think on the other end of this, there's going to be, I think a lot of people are thinking about that right now. And uh, hopefully there's a, uh, there's a there's an effort and a revival in local business and, and local industry for mm-hmm. for things i'm willing to pay a couple dollars more if i know that it, it was made um and it's it's going to a family you know mm-hmm. in the community or in the region i'm yeah. i'm i my wife and i we've been trying to find anything we can you know in our our perspective we've been trying to make find anything we can that's made in the usa we're, we're trying our best to um to support that even all the way down to a baby teether, like mm. any little thing we can find mm. that that was made, you know, in the USA, we're trying to support that. Oh, good. And you know, this is a pretty big segue, but made in the USA, the Seneca album for me is my favorite album of 2019. And I, you're one of the people I've wanted to talk to for a while because Obviously, I listened to this album while I was on tour last year, and I don't know if it was because I was away from like my girlfriend and my family and stuff, and it hit harder. But that album to me was just a perfect like capturation because we're roughly the same age as well. It seemed like it spoke a bit more to me as well, and like like we've just talked about seeing like towns and the dereliction of stuff. It just seemed to resonate harder, but mm-hmm. with. Seneca, what was your writing process behind that? How long did that record take in terms of writing? Mm-hmm. It uh, the first song on that one, I, th- I think was um, let me think here. I think it was Coal Country. I finished that in June 2016, mm. and then I finished the last song here in Eden uh, in March of 2000 and 18 mm. i had actually recorded all the other songs on seneca back in january the first week of january 2018 and then i, I went in and did here in eden because i felt like it it uh, belonged on it mm. and i had a couple other things i wanted to just do better um in may so yeah it was, it was just about 
two years. Mm. Um, and I wasn't, there's a lot of song. There, there's some songs in those two years that I'd written that just didn't fit mm. on it. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't really, uh, as I was going, kind of each song was its own thing and I wasn't trying to, to make an album that all fit together. That really mm. wasn't the thought. Um, I was playing with a, an old band of mine most of that time, but it just worked out nicely that they, they all did kind of fit together pretty nice. Cool. And how long, obviously you said you wrote some of these in 2016. So how long have you been performing as a solo artist for? Is it from 2016 or was it earlier? I'd say I went in uh, both feet first and started trying to do this for a living in January, 2016. Prior mm-hmm. to that, um, I was doing, uh, I, I played, I was kind of weekend warrior and, mm-hmm. um, when I was in college and, uh, I had some odd jobs that I did for money, but in 2016 is when I, I kind of went all in. Cool. And with the album, what was the reaction like when you released it was, did you see a significant like bump or like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, no, Mike, from where I was coming from prior to Seneca was uh, booking myself and, and, and bars mm. and playing usually on average three to four hours. Sometimes I would, my, the amount of money that I would actually make in an evening would range from $80 to like a really, really good night was like 200 mm. so, dollars maybe like I thought I was really making it if I walked out of a place mm. with, with 200 some bucks even though I spent 120 in the day just <laughs> in order to get there mm. and feed myself or whatever it may be so and also nobody um no ticket it show you know nobody buying tickets nobody cared um which is fine that's all normal um but you do kind of you, you have to put the horse blinders on because mm. if you if you do stop and you know when you're going through years of that if you if you stop and think about what you're actually doing and what the actual results are it'd be really easy to um, pivot and do mm. something in life you know it's hard to tell yourself that this is going to work out so I went from from that kind of being my my weekly routine to uh, playing proper tours and playing in venues and people buying tickets and showing mm. up. So it was, it was a 180 turn. Really? Yeah. 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 Seneca is, it actually has allowed me to do this, um, you know, and, and make a proper living. It, it's, it's been really good. That's amazing, man. Like I know I've read a few articles recently about the disadvantage of albums and how you know people are inclined more to do just like single releases in terms of online profile for streaming and things but i still think albums have that place to show an artist kind of arriving because you know even if you look at tyler childers or another established artist they were grinding out for years before Mm -hmm. they actually released their debut album and then the debut album was kind of like the line in the sand that they then used to like push off of and it's I don't think a lot of people realize that how long an artist is actually going for before even like a debut album may come out yeah 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 there's a there's there's a lot behind 
anybody that you see that's that's doing well in anything there's a lot of time behind that mm. and everybody's heard this before but there's there's no overnight you know success and and i'm still just uh, you know i'm just a a kid from west virginia that that i'm i'm fortunate enough to, to play songs for a living but i'm not a big deal or anything i but i just feel very fortunate that i get to do this and and mm. make a little bit of money each time i go out and uh this is just something that i really enjoy and as far as the album thing you know there's um there's people that you know their their path you know it might be best for them to to do one song at a time and you know that that might be their thing I, all i can do is is kind of my my little thing in my little corner of the world mm. and i think for me it's it's just about and it may not be the it's not it's definitely not the most commercial thing but it's just what i do mm. and, you know that's kind of all you you just got to find find your way your path your little your little place in this world and i think mine is you know i sit down at each when i when i sit down at the notebook and i'm working on a song i'm just trying to make myself happy and that just it tends to come out in uh more of a story form with mm. music to it you know and that that's not going to be the most commercially popular thing but there is a uh, segment of society out there that really enjoys that so mm. So I'm just, I'm just fortunate that that's the case and that I get to do that. And, um, you know, albums like Seneca that have like a, has a, a flow and like a coherency to it. I think that's, that's kind of the way that I'll put my art out. Mm. But there's thousands of other people that, you know, put out singles and or something like that. And that's the best way for them. Mm. I think with Seneca as well, it's got such a weight to the record that it has to be, in my opinion, plowed as a full record. But with obviously like touring and things, were you booking independently and has that shifted now as someone else helping yeah. you book those tours? Yep. Yeah, I have a I have a whole team of folks that that help me out. Um out of they're down in Austin, Texas, um, True Grit. And yeah, with man, it's been a it's been awesome. All I have to worry about now is just writing songs <laughs> and, you know, just working on actually playing music, which mm. is, that's been uh, night and day yeah. better. Oh, that's the best thing, man. I saw, was it last year or early this year you went on a Scandinavian tour? Yeah, it was first time um, playing over in Europe and it, I didn't really know what to expect uh, on the plane over, you, you know, you, you, I was kind of thinking, I don't know if anybody's going to show up, and you know what? It turned out turned out pretty well. Mm. And what was the crowds like compared to like the American audience have been playing for? Tell you what, they're way more quiet, <laughs> like during the show, mm. you know, um, over there. And it's not like, yeah, I told you, you know, the the way I came up. So, I. I uh, <laughs> it doesn't bother me as, as long as people are having a good time. Mm. You know, there are a few people talking. I just, I just play right through it. And if, if it bothers the crowd, they'll police themselves. Mm. But no, I mean, I can tell you for sure the, the biggest difference um, playing in Denmark, Norway, and Sweden compared to what I'm used to back home is, I mean, you could hear a pin drop, which mm. that was, that was for sure different. 
Cool, man. And was that did a tour agency because it was out on the rise, isn't it? The yeah, did yeah. They Daniel approach Jones. you. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He, had, uh, you know, I think when Seneca came out, it wasn't. It was a few weeks later. He approached me and he started started planning that one out. Cool, man. And obviously, selfishly, is there any plans for a UK tour or? A- yeah, I think um, there there was going to be like an Ireland UK one in the spring of next year. But mm. I think the way this year has gone, I would imagine most of 2021 is just going to be playing the, you know, the U S yeah. and then maybe 2022 uh, get back over. I'm working on an album, which, which will be the second one now. And I'll go in the first week of September to record it so that it, you know, it'll be coming out next year. So that'll take a whole chunk of the year. Um, So, yeah, but I definitely would like to get over to Ireland, the UK at some point. That's going to be the nice thing. There's a lot of cons to playing the music. You know, you're, you're away a lot and Mm. that whole thing, you miss a lot of family time, but one of the pros is when you reach a certain point, you get to play in places around the world that are yeah. uh, that's that, that are a good experience to bring family along and see the world and travel. So, yeah, I think when when that time comes that I get over there, you know, that'll be something that'll bring my wife and and bring my kid and kind of make make an experience of it. Oh, amazing! And you said you're doing an album now. What was like so have you gone in to start recording or is it still the writing process or no no the writing's all done they're all um they're all demoed out and now uh yeah here in a few weeks we'll start start getting all the all the parts down we'll go in and and get drums and bass and i'll do scratch Mm. vocals with that and then i'll go in and sing sing and play in September and then all the rest of the folks will will put their parts down and, and we'll get it we'll get it all stitched up and probably in the fall. Cool man. Was there a process behind like how you approach this record? Was it different to how you've approached Seneca or is the writing thematically? You know, it's it's all with me it just starts out with um everybody's different, but at some point throughout a day I'm usually going about my business in some sort of line mm. or, we'll, you know, kind of like a little seed or we'll, we'll, we'll plant itself in my head. And if it's, if it's good, I make a point to put it down in my notebook or on my phone notes. Mm. And then I start from there and try start trying to craft a song around that. And I'll just, whether it's one day or, or months, I'll just keep kind of working on it and working on it. And once I feel like it's done, I'm, move on to the next one and that each each one is its own thing so going into it i didn't have any uh like i'm gonna write about this and yeah. it's you know it, it's it's never that um it's not like i have a whole lot of experience considering you know i just have have the one album but the second one it, it turned out where it's a group of songs that all fit together pretty well and they're it's very story based and um yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm I'm really proud of it. I think I think I continue to get better. Oh, Sigma, I'm really looking forward to hearing it. But with 
obviously your writing style and stuff, who would you list as your like influences or who do you remember being like instrumental and in not even just making you want to pick up a guitar, but being a songwriter or who you go back to the records and things? Um, right now, uh, Chris Knight's been a huge, huge influence. And then I've been listening to a lot of Warren Haynes, um, like acoustic when, mm. when he'll play, play acoustic. So right now those two are kind of at the, at the top in, in my mind, but that changes over time. You know, like, uh, four years ago I was listening to nothing but Willie Nelson and he was, you know, the, the number one, you know, kind of singer in my head at all times. And then, uh, last year it was Towns Van Zandt. So it, it switches what, whatever I'm mm. really kind of connecting with at any time. Um, but yeah, I'd say, yeah, Chris Knight right now is, is the, the, the main, main person that I'm listening to. Cool. Yeah. I can't I, remember. What was the second part of your question? Um, just the, um, like your influences prior to writing and things, who was like oh, back in the day? Yeah. Um, well, I always had, uh, in, in the car growing up, my dad used to listen to oldies radio. So I was listening to a bunch of the music from the sixties, which, you know, that's, that's like the best pop music. I think probably the best pop decade ever. Mm. I mean, their pop was nothing but, you know, the, the charts on, on the, the pop charts in the sixties were like nothing but almost classics the yeah. whole way through. It's crazy <laughs> how, how good the music was then. And, uh, but I remember when I started, when I wanted to pick up a guitar, I was watching the Grammys and the Avery brothers had played mm. with, with Bob Dylan. They did a live performance and I was in college and I, I wanted to find a, I was at a, a time in my life where, you know, the, my, my adolescence was ending and I didn't have sports to play anymore. And I had a bunch of free time and I had to, is that transition point where you gotta, you gotta find out some other hobbies. You gotta get, <laughs> you gotta find some other things to do or else you're just going to end up kind of being a, being lazy when, when you're not working or in school, you know? Mm. So I was just looking for something, something to get into. And I thought I, I watched that, that, that evening. And I was like, man, that, that was great. Maybe I'll pick up a guitar and <laughs> just, you know, full with it in the evenings. And that way I'd have just, just something else. I've always hunted and fished, but especially, you know, when you're in college, you just, you can't do that all the time. So I thought, yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll get a guitar and start fooling with it. And it kind of, as the years went, it, it's snowballed and turned mm -hmm. into a. Oh, amazing. And with them, like hunting and fishing, obviously in the UK, we have, we have fishing, but you have to buy a license for it. But with like hunting and fishing around your neck of the woods, is there licenses and things that you have to obtain to do that type of stuff? And is it only certain animals and things? Yeah. Oh yeah. You got to get a license through uh, like West Virginia has got the, the DNR and you go in and register whether you're a resident in state or out of state, you can, you can get a license and there's, there's different seasons and all, and you can get the, uh, the wildlife agents for the state. They get pretty good, a good council, you know, with the deer, Turkey, 
um, populations are each year and they're they're able to to make a pretty good estimate on you know how many how many tags can be mm. be handed out for the year you know so that everything's sustainable but you know it's a huge huge thing culturally here in west virginia and, and as the years have gone it's turned into uh, you know the people coming in to enjoy especially like the fishing waters in west virginia because west virginia's got great trout fishing um people don't i don't think there's there's too too much of like destination hunters mm. for the state there's some some spots and then there's a lot of folks that might have like a, a second home or a cabin or something that they'll go in for hunting season but for fishing though i think there's people that come all around the world to to fish in west virginia you know we have have healthy streams, native, native trout. And it, mm. it's a big thing. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's a huge thing culturally here. Yeah, that's so cool. Like I've only ever fished like over in here. It's like carp, which you can't, you have to release back in this bream and yeah. trout and stuff. But the hunting I've always kind of like, I really enjoy like look like watching documentaries and following different hunters on Instagram who are like sustainable and eat what they kill and stuff. And it's really interesting like way of life that like as an outsider I've looked into and also I've only ever fired a gun once and I was fucking terrified of it. <laughs> yeah. Like we did. Normal, it. It's a terrifying thing, but you know, <laughs> you get used to it and all it. Yeah. You get like, proficient with it. Yeah. We went in clay pigeon shooting. So it was a shotgun and I, I, oh, I've never been more like nervous holding something <laughs> in my life. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's such an interesting thing. Obviously like West Virginia, it's got that kind of, like you say, there's a culture and stuff to it. And how often do you go out or is it like only certain seasons? Uh, I go hunting every fall. Um, whitetail is the main thing I've, I hunt and then I fish anytime I get a chance all year long. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I'd bring my fly rod with me um, any, you know, anywhere I go. Like next week I'll be down, I think I'll be outside of a little place called Middlesboro, Kentucky. And mm. I'll bring my fly rod with me, the the fellow that's putting on the, it's like a cabin. It's like a little show in a cabin for like 10 people. And I think we'll be outside mm. just so everybody's spaced out. So it'll be a real small thing, but um, we'll be fishing, I believe, before the show. Oh, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've, I've never done fly fishing. It's one I've always wanted to do. I've only done sea and obviously like lake and river, but it's never, it's always been float fishing. It's never been mm -hmm. fly. No, it's all good. My wife, she grew up in, uh, in Florida and she grew up always going out in the Gulf and, and fishing. And that, yeah. that was a huge part of her life growing up. Yeah. Cool. Um, and going back to the reptile stuff. So you're going to start recording it and you said it's released next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool man so how many tracks have you gone or are you gonna is that kind of like once you've got everything recorded you'll see how it flows and then maybe cut or yeah i, I guess yeah you know, i kind of i think i know what it will be but you never know till till it's all done and maybe maybe something will get cut or added so it's i guess it's hard to say but i, I have a pretty good idea in my head you know what it'll end up being cool and then you said obviously it makes so much sense that people are gonna kind of tour the country they're from because an international tour right now is just gonna rack up the cost so do you have plans to tour throughout the united states um next year oh yeah yeah next year um 
I think it'll be a lot of making up what was canceled this year. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, hopefully I can get to some new spots. Like I've, I've not played the Pacific Northwest yet. Mm. And I know there's a number of people out there that, that would like to come out to a show. So there's some, there's some spots that I need to, that I've never even reached mm-hmm. yet. Really? What, like what spots in the States? Cause again, it's, I was talking about this to him, um, Drew Dixon in Nashville. Um, artist and you for kind of forget how big the states are so you kind of everyone just travels everywhere but a lot of people don't really leave their state so where have you not really played in the u.s i've not played in washington oregon california um montana idaho wyoming north dakota alaska hawaii in maine oh cool and vermont i mm. think i've played everywhere else <laughs> rhode island too i guess you get you know usually the, i don't know I don't, <laughs> poor rhode islanders i think if they want to see a lot of folks they end up having to go over to like go down to philly or go up to mm. new york or something i don't think too many folks make the time to stop which is a shame but it's such a small state that yeah that people just kind of go around the edge of it or if they maybe they do go into Providence every now and then, but yeah, I think that those are the ones I've not played yet. I'm pretty sure I've played in in some form or another in, in just about every other state. Yeah. Oh, cool. Like with like Rhode Island and stuff, like I kind of find that the smaller towns get a better reaction because there's obviously not a lot going on. Like I assume if you go play in New York, there's going to be a million things happening that night as well. Well, if you head to Rhode Island, I assume it's going to be, you know, a lot less things going on that you can then, you know, kind of use to your advantage. Well, Rhode Island's like in, they're like in this, uh, I'm drawing a blank on, on what the name is it between DC and New York, but man, that whole Northeastern coast is just jam packed with people. There's towns with over a hundred thousand people, mm. just one after another, you never even heard of, you know what I mean? That, it's a that's a jam packed place. So I bet Rhode Islanders probably have no shortage of things going on. They probably <laughs> they got more going on than anywhere in West Virginia probably any given night. Mm. But um, you know, I get at least with me, I think with with what I do, it strikes a chord in a certain amount of folks, and then it's probably just a bunch of other folks. It's it's you know, it's not a it's not not their cup of tea for a bunch mm. of other folks, but I found with me, um, it might be in the mountain, whether it's like in the mountains of Colorado or right in Manhattan. Um, there's a certain number of folks that really enjoy what I do mm. and they come Yeah, you know, so I can play in downtown, downtown DC and I'll have a good crowd of folks come out and really enjoy it. And then I can play, I can play in, you know, rural kansas and have a good number of folks come out and mm. and have a good time now i'm sure there's certain spots where there's just people just haven't even heard of seneca never heard of me and they wouldn't come i'm sure you know there's plenty of spots like that um to, to be honest i played in albuquerque last summer and i mean that was one of those spots i don't think anybody in albuquerque had heard of me um except there's one fellow that actually grew up the road um, i'm in seneca rocks today Mm. I was going to play a, uh, a private private show last night, but due to the 
uptick in COVID numbers in certain places. The the private events this weekend were were, were scratched because mm-hmm. of where they were going to be. Um, so I'm here in Seneca Rocks, and there's a there's a guy that that was that came out in Albuquerque that grew up just up the road here. Oh, really? Which, <laughs> I'm telling you, there's only like 30 some people that have grown up right around in here it's not like it's that this giant population of people that are all around so yeah he came out but other than that i don't think anybody else came out (laughs) and knew who i was you know so there's some of that but um for the most part my experience has been since the album that there's you know there's an there's some people just about anywhere that'll come out oh good that's and with seneca like i've got a song called rock ferry which is based off my hometown on the Wirral. And for some reason, wherever I go, there's always someone from that area somehow seems to turn up at a gig. Have you found mm-hmm. with obviously naming it Seneca, more people will come out and engage and react because of maybe just the name alone? Uh, I definitely had like folks that are from, from the area usually will make an effort and, uh, and come out and see me anytime I'm near them, which is always cool. You know, whether I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina, or uh, Fort Worth, Texas, or even in, uh, let, me, let me think where it was. I think it was in, uh, it might have, it was in, it was in this town, uh, I think it was Karlstad, Sweden, somebody that was from West Virginia. Like, he, I don't think he'd heard of Seneca up until he just saw, like, advertisements mm. and promotions and stuff in town for that I was going to be coming. And he, I, th- I think he recognized, you know, Seneca and saw the, the, I think they're using the cover or something. Mm. He looked it up and was like, Holy crap, this guy's from West Virginia. So then he, you know, checked it out and came out. Oh, awesome. So you run into that sometimes where, mm. you know, if, if somebody that's, uh, that's from, from West Virginia or something just, catches wind that I'm also a West Virginian and they'll, they'll come out even had, if they hadn't heard of me prior to that, which is cool. That, yeah. That's nice. People support that way. Oh, amazing. And with them, um, I know you've got some Ward Davis shows postponed, but with crowds like that, where you're opening for, you know, Ward Davis or Shooter Jennings or whoever, have you noticed the crowd reaction after that has been like, maybe they didn't know who you were at the beginning and then at the end of the show, either through your social media or people calling up at the end of merch tables or whatever, has there been an uptake in that? Oh yeah, no, that's a huge, huge help is getting to go out with guys like Ward, and he has such a, a big following where he's he'll fill up, you know, he'll have five hundred people, you know, filling up a, a venue, and mm. I get to go up and and play in front of that many folks, whereas maybe it would have taken me. Um, you know, eight shows to play in front of, mm. you know, 500 folks. So that's a huge help. And yeah, I'm, I'm able to, to play and open for him. And there's folks that, you know, wouldn't have heard of me, you know, before that mm. night and they enjoy it. And then they come up and, and I, I see him again, if I'm going through town or something like that, that's a huge, huge help. And hopefully I help work too with, you know, bringing out, whatever small number of folks that, you know, come see me and it kind of helps, helps yeah. boost up this crowd a little too. Cool. Well, that's like the best thing. I think obviously the main act, opening act, special guest, whatever, that's always been the format for gigs, but you don't kind of 
analyze like the relationship between those two artists and how they kind of can work to bring in like a whole different crowd at the same time. It's really interesting. They always like mm-hmm. to see, and it's especially like I went to see um, a heavy metal band last year called Avatar, and they had an Irish punk band as the uh, opening act, and then as another opening act, they had like a folk singer called Dylan Walsh, who's now based mm-hmm. over in Nashville, and the way that the night was laid out in the crowd was just really interesting vibe and i think a lot more people could benefit from these type of like acts and things and collaborations mm-hmm. yeah i mean it as an artist I, I just enjoy getting to see somebody else perform and and uh it's inspiring to see other people that you admire and like their songs mm. you know you get to i guess you Anytime you watch somebody play, you uh, you kind of keep a little piece of it with with yourself, and and you pick up things. Mm. Or you listen to how they they craft their songs, and 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 uh, it's yeah, you you grow from that. Mm. You know, if if you were in a bubble and never saw anybody else play, you may not you may not uh, I guess get some of those influences from the outside mm. like you do when you get to tour with somebody and you see them night in night out you see them adjust to different situations and, and um yeah I, I uh i really enjoy getting to go out and play be on the road with with other other folks i i feel like i feel like i'm really green you know i'm i'm, I'm it's not like i'm some multi-decade vet and mm. playing music so I, I feel like I learn a lot, you know, being on the road with folks that are more experienced. Mm. And just like, just being on the road compared to, you know, like being a weekend warrior and doing those gigs, having even just a run of like six dates is such like when you first on, I was such a steep learning curve to play them six dates and travel back to back because not, like, not only is it the shows themselves, which can be half an hour to an hour and a half or whatever, but then it's the travel in between. You don't realize the toll that it can take on you when you first start out. I think a lot of people see a musician. It's like, oh yeah, he's just playing for however long that night. But the mileage to get to that place. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the real work of it is is the travel. It takes a toll on your health. Um, that's another, I mean, you know, you, you try to look on the bright side of something like covid Mm. man it's been nice having a normal home routine and getting to work out <laughs> and eat you know eat home cooked food every evening make your own dinner it's it's been nice and uh again it was something where i was like man i really need to lock it down when i get back on the road i've got to have better willpower mm-hmm. late at night with the food <laughs> man i think you know as the years go and maybe one or two nights a week, you, you get weak late at night. <laughs> you pull, you know, you pull into Arby's or something like that. And the, over the course of years, it has an effect, and, and you just don't, you don't notice it until you, you have the opportunity to stop and mm. and kind of get back to 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 living a little bit more healthy. And uh, that's for sure. I got. I'm like. I've always done pretty good at working out when I'm on the road and trying to eat healthy. But like I said, you know, I would slip a few times a week and like really just make a real bad choice, especially food wise. 
And I think going forward, I'm going to do my best to try to keep it strict and, and not, you know, rather than pull into that fast food at 2 a.m., mm. just go to bed hungry <laughs> and, and just eat a, eat a good breakfast, you know. And uh, I've been running. I did. I played a few dates back in June that were, were postponements from March. And I was able to go run each morning when I woke up and felt a million times better. So, yeah, that, uh, the, the one thing that really isn't work as far as when you're out playing shows is actually getting to play the show. That's yep. fun. <laughs> That's really nice. But the rest of the day, uh, it sucks. You know, you're, you're just on the road, gas stations, um, you know, venues are great for having shows and stuff, but you know, a green room isn't necessarily <laughs> it, you just, can you sit down or you're going to be fine? <laughs> okay. That's all you need. You know what I mean? It's not like it's, it's like your living room at home or anything. Mm. So, uh, you're, you're trying to, you're trying to fit in like normal day things in in the space of a, of a, maybe a venue with no lights, yet and people wiping down a bar or you're back in a green room trying to read a book or something <laughs> and it's just you know it that yeah that that's uh playing music isn't it, i wouldn't consider it hard work compared to people that work hard and yeah. different things in life but it does have its it does have its aspects that are very much work and it's not it, it it's not like this huge glamorous thing um yeah Maybe, I think only people that are just totally blown away, maybe a whole tour and don't remember it, like <laughs> might be the only ones that look back and think, man, that was amazing. <laughs> but <laughs> if you can actually remember it all, you're like, man, there's just a lot of waiting and driving. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 I know um, what, like what you're saying about workout routines and stuff. I've been like, today I started a new workout routine because I'm 29, I'm 30 in November and I'm terrified that if I hit 30 with a belly, I'm going to stay that way until the day I die. So I've got a goal to like try and fucking lose some weight and get into a bit of a better shape. Like I was a few years ago. So I started locking like, it down, trying to lock <laughs> it down. I just, I don't like, it's just kind of like, I think, do you know, like one of them films where someone's cursed and if they don't get to the thing by midnight, then it's forever. That's how I feel like a belly is when i'm 30 <laughs> no you can always you can always go back yeah boy even if it doesn't work out for you by november i mean you always you can always lock it down yeah but um i just can't for the life of me I, like with running with headphones and stuff like outside i just can't do it on a treadmill and stuff i'm fine but i canceled a gym membership because that was just pissing money away so i've just mm -hmm. recently bought a skipping rope and I, like i've got some kettlebells so i'm trying yeah. to new ego but i'm also thinking for the, like the skipping rope i can do that because i tore in a camper i can literally just take this with me and then i've got a little thing i can do in car parks mm -hmm. and, and that's I'm, I'm i say i'm gonna keep to this checking with me when i'm 30 <laughs> yeah. but, oh, um, <laughs> I, I know you, you gotta play tricks with yourself mm. you know it, and some yeah you know, like i said i miss some days too but but you know, you play little mental games with yourself to, to get yourself to do it each morning, mm. whether that's you, you're pretending that there's somebody there watching you and judging you. Like if you don't, <laughs> and they call you like, you know, whatever you got to do. Yeah. Yeah. You that's know. always the, yeah. my thing. I like, I got a, a, a little dog, uh, 
by little, I mean, he's, he's young and, uh, he, I bring him on the road with me. He's got a bunch of energy and that that's a nice thing for me is I know that I need to take care of him mm. and get that, get that exercise and energy out of, out of him or else he'll just be bouncing off the walls all day, especially if he's in the car driving with me. Mm. So, you know, when I have him, I know I like it. I, there, there's no option. I, I can't yeah. skip through. Got to go for the run. He needs to run. So mm. things, you know, that helps me. Mm. Yeah, I've got a two house cats. So if I followed their routine, I'd just be asleep for a 16 hours of the day. Yeah, and slaughtering small small mammals <laughs> at night. <laughs> but um, yeah, man. So I'm. I'll let you go because I've been watching the window behind you slowly turn from like dark to light. So I don't want to yeah. take up too much of your time. But, um, yeah, little man. I think I heard him back in the room there stirring <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. He's he's probably starting to wake up. Yeah, but so for twenty twenty one, what or twenty twenty even? What's the rest of your plans? Really, is it just work on the record to bring out for next year? Yeah, you, you know the way things are looking. I don't. Uh, I think there's some things scheduled in the fall, but the, the way it's been going, it, it seems to be once it gets to a certain amount of time out from it they're just mm. dropping like flies mm. one after the other so i'm i'm not even going to count on any tour dates happening mm. if they do and it, and it's all good wherever that local municipality is then then you know cool i'll be there mm. but i can't count on it for sure no. <laughs> for sure so the the main thing that i'm focused on is that uh, it's nice having this time that i can uh, get the second album made and, and get everything for this project ready to go. So whenever the world does kind of return to some sense of normalcy and, and I can go back to work that I have this, uh, this nice thing that I'm proud of that mm. I'll be able to, to, to let go of and release and, you know, hopefully just keep doing this and, and folks enjoy it. And at that point I'd have, you know, two pieces of work that I'd be real proud of yeah. and, you know. Amazing. That's the main thing, man. And I'm, you know, I am really hoping for a UK tour from you in 2022 and, you know, play a Liverpool date as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting over there. I've never been to England. I've never been to Ireland. So that would, uh, that would be a real fun thing, not only just to go play, but just to, to be a tourist and, mm -hmm. and see some of the sites and stuff. Yeah. Amazing, man. Well, I know you'll have a crowd when you uh, get to here, but thank you so much for uh, talking to me today, man. I really appreciate no, it. No, thanks for having me, Mike. And again, I'm, I'm sorry for being so so flaky, but it was just a, it was a crazy couple of weeks, but yeah. um, oh, I'm glad we could link yeah, up was, and get this. Yeah, it's definitely worth the wait, man. I appreciate it. So uh, I'll hit the end of recording now, and uh, thank you so much. All right, brother. I'll see you. Catch you later. And there we have it, guys. It's episode 12 of Into the Van, and we're done. So happy for uh, you guys to listen to it. Let me know what you think. I'm still don't I still don't know whether to you know change the name of this podcast because as I said in the last episode, I've done more episodes out of the van than into the van. So is it just limiting me now? Is it not really showing what we're trying to get across? But you know, let me know what you think. Um, you know, drop us an email, send us a comment. You know, this is all over Facebook and social media. So let me know. And let me know who you'd like on as well, because I've got some guests in the works that are fucking incredible, and I'm really hoping they pay off, but I don't want to say anything too much until, you know, it's recorded and in the bag. So, you know, have a fun week, guys. Let me know what you think about this episode. Go check out Seneca by Charles Wesley Godwin. You will not regret it. And, you know, 
Have a fun time. Peace.